Welcome to Hunting for Nova Sparkus by Coho Creative. I'm Ellen Craven, and I lead the strategy, insights, and innovation team at Coho Creative. And I'm Lane Rumke, brand strategist at Coho Creative. On this season of Hunting for Nova Sparkus, we will be exploring the effects of COVID-19 across industries. We will be speaking to experts to understand how their lives and potentially jobs have changed during the pandemic. We will also be talking to them about how they believe this pandemic will affect their industry long term. Yeah, we're hoping through these interviews and conversations, we will be able to uncover insights that will help us innovate for a better post-pandemic future. In this episode, we're going to talk to two of Coho Creative's partners, John Shapiro and Ronald Devlam. And they are going to talk to us about whether or not they believe that creativity has been enhanced or hindered due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome, you guys. Love for you to both take a couple minutes to tell us a little bit more about yourself so everybody, everybody knows you. Well, I'll start. Hi, I'm Ronald Devlam. I'm one of the new partners at Coho Creative. I have a background in industrial design and used to run an agency called Web Devlam where we did a lot of um, upstream innovation and structural packaging design for CPG clients. Welcome, John. Hi, everybody. My name is John Shapiro. I am the founding partner and the chief creative officer here at Coho Creative. Great. Hello. So, um, Lane, where do you want to start? Uh, I think a great place to start would just be for you guys to talk about what your relationship with your personal creativity has been during this time where um, things are a little different than normal and maybe you will have more time on your hands. Do you want to start, John? Um, sure, I can, I can do that. Um, you know, definitely... Um, there's definitely a lot more time on our hands, uh, on my hands, especially thinking about all the the time we used to that I used to waste commuting um, and doing all kinds of other you know extracurricular activities. I, I I like to go to the gym, which I can't do anymore. I I used to love going out to restaurants, which I can't do anymore. So with all this extra time, um, I've been trying to fill that void with you know some creative outlets, and and one in particular. Uh, that I'm really uh, excited about is my my daughter and my wife have been teaching me how to throw clay on a pottery wheel. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, the other thing is I've been doing a lot of uh, cooking again, which I, I used to love to do, and I just hadn't had the time to do. Um, so that's, that's how I've been uh, thinking about creative activities during this COVID time. Nice. Are you bring us some pottery to work? Yeah, that's great. Put in our office oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald? Yeah, that sounds great, John. Yeah, I, to be honest, I have um, been just as busy. I, I, I do agree with John that there are kind of different sort of time absorptions with uh, new activities that, that are kind of part of being a little bit more restricted. But I, I, I mean, I used to do a lot of kind of furniture making in my workshop, and I still am. Uh, I used to play a lot of music and I still do play a lot of music, um, albeit now um, perhaps, you know, you know, via some uh, video links and, um, you know, just jamming kind of via, you know, the, 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 the you know, internet, which is just as cool, but it's different. Um, I do feel maybe that um, 
with, with 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 just being a little bit more, you know, a little bit more time alone, you you do give yourself the you can give yourself the opportunity to indulge a little bit more. And so I think both John and I are a little lucky because we're, we're creatively driven. So I I have been doing a lot more sketching. I have been doing a lot more thinking about how how we can use this you know this time and 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 yeah i've actually written some poems i've i've done some artwork that i you know wanted to do so it's been it's been great in that respect um just given you know being given that time and then sort of filling it in with with things that you've wanted to do on your bucket list john i think he's doing more create creative stuff than you are no buddy. You, 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 I, I can understand why your live drawing maybe is is on the hiatus, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that you're not sketching, you know, some portraits here and there. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I still draw a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that that I'm still doing. Like photography has become uh, a passion again too. So, but um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of funny how much time we were lacking before all of this that all of a sudden we have on our hands. Yep. Do you both, um, have you seen a change within the agency in terms of, um, creativity being amplified versus, um, hindered or, you know, dismissed? Well, Ronald. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think create, I, I, I think creativity has been the same. I, I know that creativity today has perhaps amplified in a in a certain way in terms of where we're focusing. I.e., I see a lot of our clients requesting our help or servicing us with briefs around well-being or stress relief or um, those type of um, potential sort of new 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 product or service areas, but. I, and back to creativity, I, I, I feel as a designer, whether, whether we're, in a, we're in a pandemic or not, <clears throat> creativity is still the same. I do miss being in a studio with lots of other creatives. I mean, I don't like doing the creativity via Zoom. I, I really much prefer to do it in, in a collaborative environment where we can hear each other and, and see each other and and bounce off each other's energy. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I will echo some of that, but I think that we've been using the technology uh, to a point where I feel like we're starting to get some of that back, where the collaboration piece is, is you know, sometimes even enhanced with, with some of the tools that we're using. So, you know, I, you know I'm, I definitely miss being in person and building off of each other, I, others' ideas and riffing ideas and things like that but um but i'm I'm still seeing that again and I, I i i kind of disagree a little bit with ronald in that i i kind of see a higher level of creativity happening and i don't know if it's driven because you know we're in this challenging time but or people are a little bit more like hey we gotta we gotta hit the ground running on things and and you know i think that's part of it i think you know designers and especially myself um, I'm definitely driven by a deadline in, in the pressure to get a creative solution out. And I think that that challenge has been heightened lately because of all the, the things we have to deal with. So I do see the, the level of creativity 
you know, surging a little bit here in our agency. So you're, you're kind of hitting on creative problem solving component. I think so. Yeah, I see what you mean, John. And I, um, so I, I, but I don't think that, I mean, I don't know what we, how we can measure it, but I know the amount of creativity. I don't, you know, I think we're, you know, we're, we're doing just as much kind of creative work, but maybe, maybe we're just being a little bit more, you know, we're a little bit more focused perhaps because of these sort of new methods and new environments that we're being sort of, and new technologies that we're using, but perhaps that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it could be, could be. So that, that actually leads me into another way to, to think about this. So, you know, we've already seen a lot of new innovation invention um, as a result of the pandemic. So do you think that in general, and we're hit, we already just hit on this a little bit, but in general, so outside of a designer branding agency, people do become more creative in these types of situations because the problem solving component, they need to, they're, they're becoming more aware of things that they can't do or can't have. And they're more um, geared up to find a solution. I would absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, part of what drives creativity is, is a challenge and a, and a problem to solve. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've got some big problems to solve right now. And I think the, a lot of people and companies and brands are stepping up to the plate. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that too. I, I you know, I think um, that there's also a great amount of um, a, a new higher level of empathy that I feel, you know, amongst not just in our industry, but as you can glean from news reports or as you watch the news, that people seem to be, you know, really caring about kind of those first responders and the people on the front line and the way that we're, you know, putting, putting, putting our, um, yeah, our hands together to try, albeit sort of, you know, virtually uh, our hands together to, to try and get over this uh, very difficult kind of time. And, and I, I think that certainly will be really interesting to see how that manifests in, in, in sort of new design uh, language or new design trends, et cetera, as well. I really, you know, I think that that's a really exciting kind of new phenomenon. That is interesting because one of the questions we had is right now we're seeing a lot of brands try to kind of show this empathy that we're all feeling, but some people are responding to it positively. Some people are responding to it negatively. And we were just wondering what your guys' thoughts were on this message messaging that a lot of brands are having right now um, when it comes to empathy and maybe being there for their consumer. Yeah, um, I, I think I may be a little opinionated here because um, I, I think it depends on the brand, um, you know, because we're getting a lot of these, you know, ads and messages about, oh, we're here for you. And some of them are, are genuine. I think they come across as genuine. Some kind of come across as disingenuous. And I really believe that it's because um, it, it's, it depends on the brand, um, whether they've done a good job communicating what their values values are um, before this all started, you know, or, or not. If they haven't, it comes across as like a desperate plea to, you know, get your money back or, or something like that. And when they have, it's, it's more genuine and, and more like, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support this brand because I know that they really truly believe in what they say they're doing. Or they're making, they're taking even more strong actions that make me believe in, in them even even further. So, 
I, to me, the answer is that is it really depends on the brand. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I've all, I always go by the notion that a brand is not what they say they are, it's what you say you know, they, they are or what you say a brand is. And I think some of this is predetermined um, by your opinion of the brand prior to COVID. So if you've had a bad experience, say, with your car insurance company or with your um, internet service provider, you're going to feel sort of it might take a lot for them to change their your mind about a prior service or prior kind of um you know mis misdemeanor that they may have done to you um i do think that a lot of brands you know are potentially you know going a bit far with with how they're communicating their empathy towards consumers but i feel like a lot of brands are 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 really homing in that that message, and I I appreciate Allstate giving me a check back for a car that I haven't driven for three weeks or four weeks, and yeah. I do appreciate you know that some of the kind of um, you know surprises that that brands are, are are putting back you know just just doing without really even asking. Um, I you know I, I think brands could. Definitely do more, but I, I, I'm, I'm, gen, I'm actually surprised as to how much is going on to try and make you know life a little easier for consumers that are probably far worse hit than I am. Um, so if if I felt a little bit, I'm hoping that um, you know in in the whole scheme of things, consumers are feeling a little bit bolstered by sort of the brand experience. I totally agree with what uh, Ronald's saying here. I think it really comes down to the brand's relationship with with their customers. And, you know, I think uh, there are brands that that have done a great job of establishing those relationships. And and the, like you said, like Allstate and, and, wherever, um, and companies like that that have given back their money, um, been honest about their approach to to their services. Um, there's also some brands that that have un, you know historically underestimated the value of those relationships, and and those are the ones that I can, I think are hopefully few and far between. But they're the ones that are probably coming across as disingenuous when it comes to like you know that the I'm here for you messaging. Um, luckily, I think most people, most smart marketers have realized the the value of that relationship, and if if, you know, bef well before this have started to build that value up. And I think there's something to the fact that some of the, the example, Ronald, you described is really about understanding what your consumer needs over and above, whether they're able to articulate that to you or not. And it's interesting because you wouldn't necessarily have seen that before, but now because the em empathy level is so much higher, I think that's probably one of the key reasons that you are seeing that. And I mean, it's, and the other piece that you just said was the surprise piece, which I think is a really interesting thing to think about. How do you make sure that as you, you know, this time next year, how do you still kind of take that same approach, um, you know, to, to stay relevant, but to continue to surprise your consumers um, in a meaningful way? Right. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I do believe this sets a new standard. And, and if you want to, be a brand that makes meaningful connections with your customer and your consumer. You you need to you need to keep that you need to set that bar um, you know even higher. Um, I, I 
I think retail retailers are going to have um, you know a, a difficult time uh, you know adjusting to this. Um, they will need to you know they've been sprung into kind of new ways to deliver value and and service to their customers, bringing products out to the car or um, you know doing a lot more e-commerce etc. I mean there there are going to be vast changes uh, forced upon them and that that needs to be well designed that they, these experiences need to be well considered um, and and they need to refine and fine tune that as they go along so this this it's a really interesting time very very dynamic i i 100% agree and i i do believe that this is going to wake a number of brands up to the idea that you know they need to have more empathy and more connection with with their their customers and their end users so you mentioned allstate are there other brands that you think have done a really good job in terms of responding appropriately to the pandemic through messaging was it budweiser that created the hand disinfectant or one of the big breweries and many breweries then followed suit you know, I think they, they, those are those were great things. Um, you know, 3M was put in the spotlight with their masks, and I, I, I thought they responded very, very well. There's a lot of brands that can actually, you know, that might not even think that they're in this category of being able to actually help when when that when they actually can very very easily. Yeah. Um, and so those were just two examples that hit home with me very quickly. I've got, I've got a few examples as well. I mean, um, I'm a Costco shopper. I, we, we've been, you know, with Costco for a long time, but um, I think they've pretty much handled it well as um, also. And I think you know, they've made sanitation a priority, you know, when people are, were really worried about, you know, contracting something while they're shopping. The other thing is they, you know, they, they're, they treat their employees really well and they make sure that that's the number one priority and it shows. You know they're they're limiting their hours. They're making sure that they're, they're doing shifts. You know they've done things like uh, prioritize shopping hours for seniors and medical workers. Um, and they also, I think, did a good job stemming hoarding behavior. I mean, maybe not right away, but after the the initial panic set in uh, by establishing these purchasing limits, I think that that shows a lot. You know, and I also read that compared to other retailers. You know, they didn't really do as well um, lately just because of some of the things that they're doing. But, you know, I think they've earned a lot of respect because of all the all the steps that they've taken. Yes, definitely. I think there's a couple of brands that I'd like to be a little bit critical of um, in that same kind of vein that John was just uh, articulating. I, I don't understand why perhaps, you know, Amazon wouldn't have invested in delivering, you know, boxes and goods that, you know, have been kind of pre-sanitized or, right. you know, where you know that something that's delivered to your home doesn't need to be in quarantine for, you know, 48 hours before you can touch it or before, you know, before, or whether you need to wipe it down before you can kind of open it. So that, that would have been, there's, there's I think, a, a real need to, to kind of drive to technology where you know it's safe to handle or, not going to kind of contaminate anything that you you bring into the home same point with i think you know the bad press that amazon has been getting about 
sort of not paying its workers or protecting its workers, et cetera. That type of thing seeps into your perception of the brand and can quickly kind of taint it. So, you know, the quicker they, they address that, the better. Agreed. Agreed. You know, one, one other brand that's kind of in this region is um, Yum Brands. You know, they own KFC. And, you know, I just read about this where the CEO took uh, the rest of his salary for the year and funneled it into employee bonuses. So he's not taking salary. And, you know, they're doing a lot in terms of donations for, the, you know, the chicken, uh, KFC chicken to all kinds of different food, food pantries and things like that. And, and so I, I think that there's a lot of things that, that that brand specifically has done. I'm not a KFC customer mm-hmm. typically, but it, it gives me a respect for them. Great. So you guys were talking about the role of empathy that brands have or have not been playing during this time. Do you guys think that there are other roles that consumers are looking to be filled that brands could possibly fill for them? And in that same vein, are some of those roles maybe roles that previously the government had filled and isn't quite stepping up to the job during this time? And is there an opportunity for brands to move into playing that bigger role for consumers? So I absolutely think that brands are playing a bigger role than than they had in the past, you know, in, in this time. I think you know, because so many of them have stopped, stepped up and provided things that the government isn't providing, I think that's, that's been a, a key factor in how we've been dealing with this crisis. I just read a statistic that 62% of consumers said they didn't think their country would make it through this crisis without brands playing a, a critical role. Wow. To me, that's pretty compelling that brands are in our lives and are very important in our lives right now. Yeah. I think beyond empathy, brands, yeah, I, I go back to my original point where a brand can only be what a consumer feels it is. And so those emotional connections and, and a meaningful connections, now is your time. This is your time to get into that, you know, the hearts and minds of those consumers with meaningful messaging and meaningful services and meaningful uh, experiences that bring that brand closer to, to the customer. So it's a great opportunity, but at the same time, you, you gotta be in step and be ready for whatever happens post COVID and um, you know, stay at home mandates, et cetera. You've gotta now start thinking about a lot of kind of new norms and new behaviors that are going to be part and parcel of our, our daily lives. Yeah, I think it's just, kind of what John was saying, consumers need someone to take care of them right now, as weird as that sounds. And if the government's not able to fill that role uh, as well as we would like it to, then like you said, Ronald, brands need to be prepared to fill those needs that are that are happening and going to keep continuing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Ronald's, his example of the masks was a really good one where, you know, it wasn't just 3, 3M that stepped up and they did, but there was a lot of corporations, including Apple and a few U.S. auto and, and clothing manufacturers that started making respirators and masks on their own volition, where the government wasn't, wasn't doing much to help uh, that supply, especially in, in markets where it was in short supply. Okay, so pretend it's, it's a year from now. And, you know, do you see that there could ever be a time where 
the government and brands actually continue to work together to deliver against what the consumer needs are. So you're seeing a little bit of that now, but it's not necessarily that it was a, a it was more forced versus, you know, being a, a proactive move. Do you think that that could happen in a future state? I, I would argue that it isn't forced right now. I think a lot of these companies are doing it on their own volition. Yeah. You know, the government only stepped in in a couple cases to enforce uh, the, you know, the, the, the Defense Production Act. Um, and they, you know, and believe it or not, it wasn't in personal protection equipment. So, so yeah, I, 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 I see it happening now. Yeah. Did you see it happening a year ago? No, I, I, I didn't see it as much. No, because I feel like, you know, in times of crisis, that's when that's what's going to drive this. Ronald, what do you think? Well, I, I'm thinking about kind of Europe a little bit as a comparison. And I believe certainly, you know, a lot of European countries, albeit they are much smaller. So you have a Sweden or the Netherlands or, you know, France. They're, they're countries where I think the, the population of that country has a higher belief in, in how government should sort of help, how uh, healthcare and certain human sort of provisions are kind of provided by government. That's also, that has government also sort of relaying messaging, messages around, okay, we now need you to comply with these orders being far more kind of compliant the, the 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 population there you know takes on those government messages with a lot more ease and with a lot more understanding of kind of you know how government is trying to help our kind of community our society so i you know any university any hospitals any any uh, pharmaceutical organizations are going to be in step with what the government is kind of saying and doing. I, you know, I think here in America, I see it a little bit more fragmented and dispersed, less in tune with government, more sort of seg segregated and, and uh, driven by what their consumers might say, what their shareholders, stakeholders might say. Um, driven by kind of you know other other um, drivers, so yeah, I you know I love the idea of government and industry being closer aligned and in step. Uh, I it just here in America, I see less of it than I see in Europe for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Elaine, do you have any other questions? I think this was this was really insightful. Yeah, this has been awesome. Is there anything else that you guys want to say? I think back to to where we started this conversation. I I am I am inspired. Um, I I love how we all have adapted, like animals in the wild adapt. We as a human race are adapting to this. Um, I I. I I kind of articulated my disdain for having to work on Zoom and work sort of more in isolation. But at the same time, I, I, I have a lot of belief in how we can tackle this. And I, I do feel very, um, I'm, 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 I'm very optimistic about the future, especially since we've kind of had to go through what we've just gone through. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel you know, things will change. 
and you know some things are, are going to be more challenging moving forward but i i see i'm, I'm very optimistic that we're going to take the best of what what we've been forced to do in you know the best of um, the, the way we've overcome these challenges and and it's going to help us in the future i agree i think that's great well thanks guys this was this was great and um we really do appreciate your time talking with us today yes oh you're more than welcome thank you guys thank you guys again a lot of fun take care if hunting for nova spark has tapped into your curiosity or sparked any new thinking check us out and get in touch with us at cohocreative.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Coho Creative. 